change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, hello, my friend. This is episode 56 of the Second Breaks Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. It is Tuesday, July 10th, 2018, as I record this episode. If you are a frequent listener to the show, you may have noticed that there were no new episodes for the past couple of weeks. I ended up having an unplanned hiatus on the show as I caught a bad bug and came down with bronchitis, of all things. I couldn't talk for any period of time without getting into a coughing fit, and I even lost my voice in the process. Not quite the thing you want to hear in your ears in a podcast episode. I actually think that the voice isn't back yet to normal, but I hope this is this is okay. I am back on my feet this week and getting the remainder of all the meds out of my system, and I'm glad to be back doing the podcast again. But... um. You know, this brief interruption uh, made me realize that I don't have a backup plan for the show for unplanned things like this. Uh, when I go on vacation, I can pre-record stuff, but for unplanned things, I haven't got a plan in place. So I think that's something I'm going to have to add to my to think about list. So anyway, I am back today with a new guest. Greg Eiler. Well, actually, you know, he's not new to the podcast. He actually joined us last year when he shared his career pivot story with us. And you can listen to that episode, episode 22, where we talked about one of the most common and I think one of the most effective ways of making a career pivot, looking to and leveraging your strengths to point you to your next career move. And I'm going to put a link to that uh, previous episode on the show notes. Well, he is back on the show today to talk about his area of expertise, designing training courses. Greg's got an extensive experience as an instructional designer, and Greg today works with people who have developed deep expertise in a particular field or discipline and helps them transform that expertise, that knowledge into a course or a program as a way to establish authority in their field and as a possible revenue source. So if you're someone who's got experience and expertise in a particular area, so for example, project management or calligraphy or photography, or maybe you're an expert user of a particular tool, say Evernote or Trello or Scrivener or Google Docs, or maybe you've come up with a particularly effective way of studying and preparing for an exam or a certification, for example, and you're looking to leverage that expertise to help others or to teach others, then you want to stay tuned. In this episode, we talk about benefits that you can gain by teaching your area of expertise, the main things to consider as you think about teaching or becoming an instructor, and the importance of putting the learner as the primary focus. We also explore the prevailing notion that information is free and is readily available now in the, in the internet, and where and how, as an instructor, you can make a difference. The show notes for today's episode can be found at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 56. 
Okie dokie, let me transition to my chat with Greg. So, you know, the last time you were on the show, we were talking about your career story, your own journey, and we're not going to do that today. Uh, I'm going to put a link on the show notes to your, you know, our previous conversation so they can all get to know you and your story. But today we're actually going to talk about your area of expertise and kind of pick your brain a little bit uh, with respect to, to that. Right. So goody, goody, goody. Yeah, I'm glad to be glad to get into it. Let's cool do this. Means. All right. Yeah. On your website, you talk about, you know, helping professionals and creatives who have mastered something, a topic, a skill, something. Right. And you help them with that. So uh, and we're going to talk in a bit about, you know, how exactly you help them. But first, maybe I thought we'll start with the basic premise and say, OK, uh, someone has mastered something, they can teach that, whatever it is that they mastered. So w- let's start with why would I want to teach something that I've mastered? What benefits might I gain by presenting myself as a as a teacher or, you know, by teaching? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I'm One of them could be, uh, so I'm going to come at this from two different ways. The first one's going to be from a business perspective. Uh, some of the things that I teach in my course is not only how to uh, really focus on the learner, which we can go really deep on. That's my expertise, and I can show you all these examples about how people are kind of missing out on this this big opportunity to focus on learners. Um, but what is out there is there's a lot of great opportunities, and you'll see people taking the opportunity to use courses to fuel their business. So imagine for yourself, you've got a my best buddy. He's a photographer. He is constantly out there taking great photos. He maxes out at some point because he can't he can't be on two locations at one time. So he says, how do I scale my business? How do I uh, keep myself from, if I lose my biggest client, what do I do next? You know, what's that revenue stream that's going to kind of fill that gap for me? And so this is an opportunity for him to do that. So that's one way people are doing it. Another way is, quite honestly, I see experts out there that are creating an entire business around educating others. Uh, Think about coaches or instructors or people that might have a certain creative niche where they're saying, hey, I want to teach you guys how to do this. And a lot of them fell into it and said, hey, I'm going to teach other people how to do this through a workshop or whatever. And just the the amount of people that show up and say, yes, I want to learn that thing can be overwhelming. And so they say, this this feels good. It feels good to teach people some of these things. So that would be the first reason. So I talk to people about, hey, is it right for your business? Is this the right model to help you scale your business and your brand? So let's set the business piece aside. I want to talk about the altruistic piece, which is, if you think about it for a moment, only about 7 to maybe 10% of the people on our planet have access to great education. Right. That's a very that is a very low number to me. And I'm an educator. I got into this because I believe education changes people. But only about seven percent of the people on this planet have access to it. But fifty percent of the people on this planet have a digital device. They have a phone, they have a computer, they have a pad, whatever that might be. They are going everywhere they can and anywhere that they can to find education. We are learners by by trade. We are learners. We are hardwired to do it. We cannot stop learning. 
So we'll go anywhere we can to find it. A lot of times where these people end up are these mega learning sites or um, somebody who's a really great marketer, you know, knows how to market their their courses really, really well, or some really high paid sub, you know, uh, subscription site. That's where they're going to get the education that we take for granted. And so part of this is also, what can I do to help take people like you or other experts that have a true expertise and connect them with the people that really matter the most, the people who really want that education? Uh, because if you can think about it for a moment, some of those people are spending a week, a month's worth of salary to go take a course. I don't know about you, but if I'm not delivering good stuff to them, I'm feeling bad. If they can't be a better project manager, if they can't be a better photographer, if they can't be a better whatever, fill in the blank, we haven't done our job as educators. Uh, we might have done our job as business people and sellers of courses, but we haven't done our job as educators. So long long answer, you know, hopefully a little bit short there, uh, but that's that's usually my spiel for people why I've gotten into this and why I do this. No, that is great. That's awesome. And there are a couple of things there that I want to circle back on. But first, I want to uh, just like, can can anyone really teach? I mean, because, you know, I imagine someone there going, OK, well, for example, your friend who is, you know, a piano player, did you say? Or pianist? Yeah, it could or... be a piano player. For, he's a photographer. A photographer, yeah. sorry. Why did I think piano player? I don't know where that came from. But anyway, so who's a photographer and, and uh, obviously has developed his expertise. But can can he teach? Can anybody really teach? Or is this something that can be learned? Um, it can be learned. I don't think anybody, not everybody can teach. Uh, I think it's it's a skill like anything else uh, that you need to master over time. Uh, when a lot of courses went online, we left the teacher behind, quite honestly. We left the teachers, you know, just out there in the classrooms and where, where nobody's going anymore. And so we were like, yay, this thing online. Now we can, now anybody can take a course. That's right. That also means anybody can be a teacher, which is also the downside to it. So it's not so much that I think anybody can teach. And when I think of teaching, I think you're out there in front of somebody, you're helping them pivot, you're helping them pause, you're helping them uh, discover new things in new ways. You're really working with them in their own style and their own way. I think that is teaching. Um, but what you can do is I think anybody that has a certain skill set can still package that information or that knowledge in ways that can help others. And maybe they're not standing in front of a classroom, but maybe they've created a great book for somebody or some great tools for somebody. Or I'm seeing people even just do little five-minute clips on YouTube to say, hey, let me tell you what I've learned. They're not necessarily out there teaching but they are sharing their knowledge. They're sharing their tricks and expertise. So um, I don't think everybody can do it. This photographer friend of mine I was telling you about, he's fantastic, but he can't stop talking. So I don't think he's a great teacher. Uh, so what I might do with him is say, and this is the job of an instructional designer, say, give me everything that's in your head that is just this magic, this stuff that only you know how to do. Let me take that and find a better way to package it so that people have access to it, so that they can get it in the right way, in the right format, so they can actually become better photographers. But no, putting him up in front of a bunch of people, 
basically they're just looking at a presentation all day about him talking about himself. And that's not what we're after. That's a good point, which also ties into my other question, which is, so, uh, you know, in my previous career, I've been pulled into do some in-house training, right? And usually these are related to topics that are very specific to the kind of work that we do. And sometimes to be quite candid, the topics are so dry. And so like, for example, we are required to go through SEC training in my previous job annually. And so we have to put together, some of us sometimes are asked to help put together the training material for that qualification or recertification. And sometimes the topics are so dry. And so I guess my question is, are there topics uh, that make for good, you know, course materials or good subject matters. Um, you know, putting aside the mandatory topics like I was talking about where we have no choice, but are there topics that make for good subject matters or, um, yeah, what makes for a good subject matter? A good subject matter. Yeah, it's a really good question. So, and, and I wanted to answer your, your, it's compliance training is kind of what you're talking about. It never works. It's, that's usually something that the company wants you to do. And the learners never learn anything anyway. It's a checkbox. It's checkbox training, what we kind of call it. Um, but yeah, if you think about it, you know, it's really the things that people are out there and they're usually doing when they're uh, they've got their downtime and they're looking for interests that they're trying to fulfill. Uh, it's lifestyle things. Uh, hey, show me how to do these things better. You can call them hacks. You can say uh, beauty tips, fashion tips, uh, you know, dating relationship type of tips. Those are always really great things. Any kind of creative, capital C creative, which is photography, video, graphic design, podcasting, art, any of those things, because you think those are the things that feed our creative brain, people will always want to learn those things. Always, always, always. Um, there's, a, I think, one of the biggest niches right now, which I would love to see people go after, are any of the hard slash soft skills that I think people are going to need for the 2020 workplace. Our workplace is changing, and we aren't changing fast enough for it. And you know, all of us are going to need storytelling skills. We're going to need communication skills. We're going to need project management skills, time management skills, business management skills, marketing skills, sales skills. I see you nodding your head because you know as a, as a small business owner, you've got to master all of these things. That is a huge just opportunity for all of us to start to dive into a little bit more. So it's really anything you need to you know, make work happen better, make your life happen better, have more fun in your hobbies and your free time. Those make great, great, uh, just powerful you know, kind of courses for people. They will always show up and they will always take them. Well, the last part there that you were talking about, the future of work and, you know, the, the world, our world of work is changing. Um, you're singing my song because this is basically what I've been talking about now for this is my soapbox now. Right. And and you are so right, because even, you know, certainly all those things that you talk about are very important for entrepreneurs and for business owners. But even now, because, every, you know, even for people who are in corporate jobs, I have no desire to be entrepreneurs or own their small businesses or whatever it is. They need those skills too now, because one of the things that's become important is for us to have some kind of a, a business ownership sort of mindset when we think about our careers. And 
all those things that you talked about are also important. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and one thing I want to hone on, if I can get on my soapbox a little bit. So I used to be a, a person that used to hire people, and now I'm on the other side where I'm trying to get hired and I'm trying to get business. And one of the the constant themes I see on both sides is this ability to really tell your story and not only tell it, but show what you can do. And here's what I mean by that. So when I would hire somebody, a lot of people would come in and say, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Well, we're, we're reaching a time and, and place where that's just not going to be enough. You got to show me what you can do. I bring this up because one of the other things about what I do is I try to, to convince people, say, hey, you might not think you want to get into education. You might not want to teach people, but by you getting out there and showing people what you can do, I don't care how you do it. Start showing them that you're a great manager. Start showing them that you're a great podcaster. Start showing them these things because it gives you credibility. You become an authority in that situation. It's just not enough to put it on a resume anymore. It's just, that's just not going to be enough. You know, you're in the hands of a recruiter. It's just, it's not going to be enough. So, you know, showing them is, is, is definitely one of those skills I think is going to be so, so important in the workplace. It can. It's a, it's a great brand pro, brand play. If you look at anybody out there that you might follow on YouTube or their go to their website or their blogs or whatever, they've got a really good presence. And I'll bet you a lot of them have some kind of a share or education component in there where they are showing people or at least telling people, this is what I do. This is what I've discovered. This is what I've learned. It's not that that stuff often is you know, very unique. I think you can find others that do the same thing, you know, because I just don't think a lot of us are original. I don't. I think originality is kind of an, an old idea. Um, but what they're doing is they're they're pulling back that curtain, and they're saying, "This is what I can do." It's like, oh, and it builds trust. And you know, I would if I'm thinking, well, if somebody comes to me and says, well, "Who do you, do you know anybody who does podcasting or who can help me with podcasts?" I'm like, go call Lou. Well, why? Well, because I know she can do it because I've seen her do it. It's not that she's. It's not that it's on her website or that she's giving me a resume. I've seen her do it, so she knows when microphones don't work, what to do. She knows how all the the technology doesn't work. She knows how to storyboard. I mean, she, go talk to her. So that's where I think it builds a lot of credibility for people. That exactly. So now let's do the other side of it, which is. You know, the fact that, you know, information is, it's out there. Everything is free, right? And so there's Google, there's YouTube, you know, in addition to those uh, mega learning sites. So I guess one, how could we even compete with that, with that noise or level of information? Um, and then also, if everything is already available, what how else can I, what else can I teach? Like, what else can I add to that whole What can I do? Noise? Sure. Right. That's a really great question. And it's usually, and I think anybody that's going to get into the course area or wants to get in the educational area is going to be up against that. You're always going to be asked, why wouldn't I just not go here or go there? And I'm going to even go a little bit farther. Um, information, we don't need it anymore. It's, it's out there. It's there for everybody. It used to be king, right? Information is no longer king, right? Content is no longer king. You know, there's plenty of content out there. I'll go even as far as to say knowledge as well is not king anymore. Because if you think about it, you could have knowledge and still not act upon it. What makes the difference is the action that comes after it. I think what a lot of people forget is 
you know, when we get on and we do webinars or podcasts or whatever those things, we're really just using a different medium to share the same things that we could have found in a book or we could have found in a presentation or we could have found in, a, in some kind of a lecture or something like that. It's what you do with that information when you're done. And that's where most courses that I see um, you know, being created by some wonderful people, they're just completely falling flat. And I can give you an example. You know, if I go to a three-hour workshop, I know going into that three-hour workshop that my attention span is about seven minutes. Yet it's a three-hour workshop. So right there already, I see a disconnect. I'm like, this person doesn't know a lot about how information is used in order to change behavior. So anybody that's contemplating this, I would say stop thinking about information, stop thinking about knowledge, start thinking about habits. How do you change a person's habit so that, hey, I'm going to give you information, but really where we're going to spend most of our time is talking about how to take that and turn it into a habit because once it's a habit, you're now doing it and that's what changes the behavior. So I tell people if it was just an information play, I can go on YouTube right now and take 10 guitar lessons. I guarantee you, in two weeks, I will still not be able to play guitar. Guarantee. If it was that easy, we'd have a ton of guitar players running around, a ton of you know, second language speakers running around. I mean, we'd have a ton of amazing artists running around. We've, we've confused it by putting so much out there and saying, well, now I have access to it? No. Here comes the switch, people. It's the ability to help people use that information, to do something with it, and then to to take it somewhere so they can change their behavior. That's where a great teacher comes into play. If you go into their classroom, that's exactly what they're doing. They're walking up and saying, Johnny, pause for a minute. You're obviously not getting this. Try it this way. Susie, I need you to stand up and shake out your wiggles a little bit. It looks like you're distracted. Okay, everybody, it looks like you can't concentrate today. It looks like we've had enough. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back to this next week. They're constantly looking at the classroom and working with that classroom, knowing that if they don't manage those things, all the information they're sharing doesn't matter. That has been our miss, and that is our opportunity. Because as we get better, say, if I want to teach you how to do a podcast, I'll give you all the information, I'll give you all the tools you need, and I'm going to set up opportunities for you to get better at podcasting. And I don't care how you got there. The only thing I care about is that in six weeks or whatever, you've got your own podcast. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. Exactly. So, And the fact that there is an opportunity there. So for example, you know, my own experience, sometimes I have, these are maybe the earlier iterations of courses, or maybe I, I think even now these things still exist, but I guess in an effort to justify the high price of a course, the uh, uh, the teacher, the instructor, would put all kinds of stuff in there in that course. And instead of me learning, I just get overwhelmed. And especially if it's a do-it-yourself at your own pace course where you're not attending live, right? By the second you know course or module, I'm like, ugh. You know, because you're overwhelmed, there isn't anybody to interact with, and there's so much. 
there is like 200 hours of whatever, whatever. Right? And I think what you're really hitting upon is a lot of times where, where people, I think, uh, just get on a slippery slope. If I'm a course designer, I start thinking about myself more than my learner. I start thinking, I need to do this thing in six weeks. Where did that number come from? Like, did, how do you, where, where did it even come from? Are you telling me that you've tested this with thousands of learners and it takes them six weeks to get through this content? Like, where does that come from? Yeah. Uh, or how much I'm going to price my course, all these different things. And so it's one of these, these situations of take yourself out of your, your situation. That's why I split it. When we first start talking, there's a business side to this. And then there's, is a learning side to this. The business side is I want to do this in the next six weeks. The business side is I don't want to have to hold everybody's hand through this. I want this to be a plug and play. I want my passive income. That's a business side. That has nothing to do with the learning side. And that's why we have so many learners at the end of it go, I got overwhelmed. I got frustrated. I bailed on it You know, at about you know, week five, right? You priced it so that, okay, yeah, it was money, but you know I'm not going to go back and ask for it because I'm going to feel like a schmuck if I go ask for my money back, right? So I'll just chalk it up to, hey, I didn't do well enough. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. No, the instructor didn't do well enough. You know, teaching's been figured out. Learning has been figured out. You know, so if people still aren't learning, the person that's educating – needs to go do their homework. So that's why I think it's it's a really important thing to say there's a business part of it and then there is a instructional part of it. And what I've been doing this last year is I know the learning part of it. And I've been really curious to find out can we do this and still make it so that it's profitable, it helps businesses and it's actually something that's Quite honestly, people are going to be willing to invest their time in because it's not easy. It's not easy work to do no, it right. Exactly, exactly. That is a good point. So, uh, I am an artist. I know something. I'm a painter. Whatever. I uh, there's some skill I have learned or and I have mastered, and I want to teach. Uh, what? Sh where should I start? What should I start doing? What should I start thinking? Yeah. Uh, one, you know, if you were to call me and say, I really want to teach, you know, I might say why. And if you say, well, it's because I want to generate more revenue for my business. I would say, okay, let's approach it with this model. And I would probably show you some kind of a tiered model to say, let's go find a way for you to give some th free things away on YouTube, right? YouTube, I think is the most powerful engine out there. It's SEO. It comes up in search and things like that and say, start building a presence and just do more for your learner than they can do for you right now, right? Get that out there. If they start following you, you'll know that you're kind of onto something. And people will say, you know, find your niche, you know, go ahead and, and narrow in on what that thing is, test your stuff and see if people really, really want it. I'm, I, I I'm kind of 50, 50 on that approach. Uh, because to me, that's, Oh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to create a business out of course making, and so I'm going to find out what people want to learn and create a business out of what they want to learn rather than teach the thing that I'm best at. So it would take a conversation if you say, no, I really want to teach people how to do art. It's like, 
and let's have a serious conversation. Let's have a conversation about, do you expect to make money off of it? How much do you need to make? How do you supplement that? How long is this going to take? Okay, are you thinking three months? I'm talking two years before you build this thing up. We can find your niche. We can find your audience. Maybe when we find your audience, you find out they're artists. They don't have any money. You know, they, so what do we do in that situation? You know, so there's a, there's a big conversation to have about that. Um, a lot of people, I think, get into it thinking I'm going to build a course. Why? Why are you doing that? One of them said I want to generate revenue. Okay. Really what we're talking about, let's go down this path and set up some kind of a revenue model for you that uses education as part of your content plan. And so we'll end up doing that. Somebody else says, I really want to teach people how to create awesome videos. It's like, that's beautiful. Let's do that. We can, we can do that. Um, and I will tell you, usually what I'll look for when somebody comes to me is, do you have the chops? You know, can you, artist, do your paint? Are they are your paintings good or are they not good? Because I think that's the next thing to come. Is people have been taking, you know, courses from really great marketers, <laughs> courses on everything from really great marketers, um, but there are a lot of great artists out there who have yet. To say, oh, you want to see how to paint? I'll show you how to paint. Or you want to see how to take a picture? Or those people are coming. And when it's it's like any college university, eventually when you land that one professor, you're like, whoa, this professor knows what she's talking about. She's legit. She's got the experience. She thinks like nobody else. Everybody goes to her. Everybody goes. And, and, and all the marketing is just goes to the wayside. It just goes away. We're in a marketing engine place right now. Yeah. But so you know what? Who, that yeah. is such a good point because I remember I used to say this for a long time. I used to say I hate history. But then I had taken some history classes as an adult and I realized it's not that I hated history. It's that the teachers that I had when I was growing up were sucked as history teachers they weren't telling me the story behind they weren't talking about the story of the history they were just asking me to memorize dates and places and names and it didn't connect whereas you know the the when i took history classes as an adult when i had better teachers i learned i understood and guess what it was very interesting so it's not that i hated the topic it's i had better teachers so yes that is so true that you know just because you can sell your course doesn't necessarily mean there's a business side and then there's a teaching side and what i see that's going on right now is those that are winning this game are the ones that have they were the early adopters they got in really early they said i'm an entrepreneur and i'm going to jump into this space because i'm an entrepreneur not because i'm an educator it's because I want to work from home or I can't go work for the man or whatever it is like that. They got into the space. It is a great space. And so they got a lot of money. And now they're using all that money to fuel their marketing engine. So we are competing against the big marketers, which is like anything else. But I think that's going to – it's going to change. If you think back to that professor that was great in school, that professor's class was filled every semester. They didn't have to advertise the class at all because all the people knew who to go take the class from. They, they knew. They knew. And that, that, that'll happen as well with us. 
You're listening to the Second Breaks Podcast, a weekly show that explores what it really takes to make a move in today's fast-changing world. Now, I often ask my guests, what's the thing that helped them the most during their career move or career transition? And you know, the most common response I get to that question is people being surrounded by folks who are doing something similar, going after the same goals, climbing the same mountain. Now, I know it can be hard to find that tribe, that group of people where you can have supportive and real conversations about your career, about your career goals. And that's why I am inviting you to unthriving.net. Think of unthriving as the social and professional network for folks who want to build resilient careers. We are a community of people who care about our work and want to continue to grow and thrive in the new economy. And we believe the easier way to climb that mountain is with others. Learn more about Anthriving and request your insider's pass by visiting anthriving.net. That's anthriving, one word, dot net. Let's talk about what you do a little bit, right? So sure. what do you actually, how do you actually help people you know, do this. Do you help them put together the course itself or design the course or teach? From, from soup to nuts. It really depends on how much they want to do it. So I can get, let me answer that with a few examples. Um, one, I've got, I'm working with a woman right now and she's a subject matter expert. Uh, she's a doctor and she's trying to teach other women how to do these things. And she says, I don't have time. I've got all the information. I know what I want to teach them. Build it for me. Great. So we build that out for her. So that's the course piece. The part that I've been really working on over this past year is, okay, what do we do once it's built? What does the business model look like? Right? So how do we get people to uh, – yeah, what does your marketing model look like? What does your, your, your sales funnel look like? What does it look like? Do we want to give people an opportunity to learn even if they can't afford your $1,500 course? Do you have a $200 option? Do you have a $10 option? Like, what are you doing? And so I've been fortunate enough to you know, be a part of, of co-commercial and met some really great people there have taught me a lot. And I'll tell you, one of the things I think is really important is I know my wheelhouse, and so I've been going to the marketers and saying, how do you do this piece? And then going to the salespeople, how do you do this piece? And then figuring out what works for them and then blending that in. So that's usually what I'll do. Another model might be uh, I'm going to launch a course here in a few weeks where I will walk them through each step and will probably take a cohort and it's a small group. Say, let's build this together. Uh, and I will always be here to help you through that process. So, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I've had a lot of experience creating kind of, you know, workbooks and job aids and tools and all that stuff. So they will have a lot of help. Uh, but that said, I don't believe anything is plug and play. I think there will always be somebody out there who's like, I'm stuck. I got a question. What do I do? What I I'm going to go off on a little tangent here because I think this is something that's happened, what I see happening right now. Usually what people will do at that point is say, well, go hang out in our community and get the answer in our community. Go to our group. I I don't think they work. I've had some experience with those things. That's that's not how communities are supposed to work or groups are supposed to work. Uh, 
you need an instructor there to help you. So I also show people a few different models and, and I'll show them, here's somebody that's doing it. Here's another one that's doing it. Here's, and let them kind of look at those and say, which one feels more like your thing? Okay, this one, let's talk about what it would take to build that thing, design it, and then launch it and get it going. So that's, that's the process I take them through. And I appreciate the last thing that you said, because I've had some experiences with those two where they say part of the course is the community, but then you go to the community and you're all, the instructor isn't really there. It's just us talking about the challenge that we faced. And so there isn't an instructor guiding us anymore. So um, I appreciate that. When you work with people, does it matter the medium with which they teach? So I guess by that, I mean, uh, so I guess these are video-based courses, basically, yeah, you're it, helping them build? It, it really depends on what they're teaching. Uh, and I'll give you a couple more examples here. So if I'm teaching cooking, for example, I can show you how to cook uh, probably in a video or if I want to even do a webinar. Uh, but then I'm not going to want to... Uh, build something that you take with you, like the recipe. Here's how to go shopping for those ingredients. Here's where to find everything, things like that. And then when you go back to your kitchen, uh, you better have your pots and your pans and your burners and all that. I mean, there's things that you're going to need there, right? So, And I'm not online at that point. But then what do you do when you get stuck? Well, maybe at that point, it's you're chatting with people, you're calling people, uh, maybe you're holding office hours as an instructor. You're saying, I'm going to use Crowdcast or webinars, whatever, to hold office hours. Maybe you're doing community-based uh, where you've got two or three people in your local city or local town that are getting to get, whatever that thing might be. So we'll look at all those things and what the possibilities are. And So what I'll do with people say, well, this is how people learn. This is what I recommend. Can you see what it's going to take if you want them to learn? Are you good with that? And some people are like, well, I don't want to do that much work. It's like, well, then don't do it. Then go write a book or go write a you know, a job, do something else. You know, and we can talk about what some of those things are. So just don't spend the time or money. Um, but some of these things, quite honestly, uh, if you're – I think about some of the conceptual things. So let's say I want to really get together with other people and talk about – brainstorming or some masterminding type of things where we I really need to bounce ideas off of people. I really need collaboration. I really need to work with big concepts, big ideas, and kind of get out of my comfort zone. Online is not really the best way to do that. I would say, okay, you need to get together with people. There's something about the energy of people in a room that you just cannot fake online. I'll give you an example. If I've got, I used to work at a big company and we used to try the community thing. Community worked really bad, really well when we got managers in a room with managers. So because those managers can now sit and say, here's the situation I got in. What did you do? Or what did you do? Those conversations happen real time and they bounce off of each other. And there's a dynamic that needs to be, be captured. You cannot capture that dynamic online it just i've seen it happen a couple times but i would say if that's what you're after let's build a workshop let's let's find a way to bring the people together where you're in the middle and you are facilitating these conversations and helping them through a process that's going to be the way you can still do stuff online i call this hybrid learning which is 
you could still ping them online or you could still send them reminders or snippets or little tips and tricks or articles or little videos online. But if what you're trying to do is this core thing that takes a lot of brain power, I recommend getting in the room with them. So I think it really depends on what people want to do. And I would tell them a lot of times you don't need to go there. Just be honest with people. Just tell them, hey, what you're trying to learn, guitar playing, you're going to have to practice probably five days a week to play well. So practice five days a week, and when you're done and you can play this song, come back. I'll I'll still be here. And then we'll talk about step two. So it's not that you have to build those things. It's just being honest with your learner and knowing how people learn and going into that and going into it that way. So last question before I let you go, uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, um, I'm at buildgreatcourses.com. People can always send me uh, an email, greg at billgreatcourses.com, and I'll get right back to them. Uh, I'm starting to put some stuff up on YouTube. Uh, it's still really not there. So those are the, probably the be- two best places to find me. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming back to uh, on the show and this time for you know sharing your expertise. I appreciate it so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. That takes care of this week's episode. I hope you found it useful. You will find the show notes for this episode along with other relevant resource links at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 56. And if you enjoyed this episode and you're a frequent listener to the show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave me your feedback on iTunes. Your rating and your review will help put this podcast in front of professionals like you who want to grow and thrive through their work. Go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review to get the step-by-step instructions on how to do it. And you might as well hit that subscribe button on your podcast player now so you never have to miss future episodes. If you have any questions about today's episode or any of the other topics that we've discussed or you just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email, lou at secondbreaks.com. Or you can also find me on Twitter at secondbreaks or connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Lou Blazer, that's L-O-U-B-L-A-S-E-R. I will be back next week with a new guest and a new career story, I promise. Or at least as the voice permits, I should say. Until then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 